<sighs> for the 200th and not, I don't know why I was about to, I was about to say and final. Like, no, this podcast isn't going anywhere. I've got like the, <laughs> Could I've got you the next 10. You would be surprising me with that one. That would be a bombshell to drop on I would, be, I would be surprising me with that one, honestly, because I've got guests for the next like 10 episodes already booked. <laughs> <laughs> got some bad news for other people. For for the 200, well, actually not the 200th, because we did have a couple of unnumbered episodes. But two, the, 200th two, official. Two, 200, for the 200th official time. Yes. What's up? Hey! Hey! Um, <laughs> um, uh, When's the last well, time we did a podcast that was just you and me? Like, that was just you and me. Like, I know you've been on since, you know, you, you had to step down. But, like, when's the last time it was just you and me on a podcast? Um, was it Schlocktober last year? Was it? No, we didn't. No, we had a full, we had a full guest list of Schlock. We had a full guest uh, booking for Schlocktober. Huh. Um, I don't. I don't know if we've ever had a schlock. To- I don't know if we've ever had a guest list episode of Schlocktober. Now that I'm thinking about it. No, I think I think we did have one last year because I remember specifically asking you about doing one that was just us, either to open it or to close it, or we did it, or I was I joined you the episode before Schlocktober. To. That might have been it. That might have been. So. It. I think let me, so. Let me, let me, I think so. Let me go so. to fearbaiting.com to check the annals. <laughs> Fearbaiting.biz. <laughs> Thank you. The fearbaiting.com does re- redirect to our noise space. Thank you, Kate, for purchasing that URL like four years ago. Fearbaiting.horse. Fearbaiting.horse. They should have called it that. Who's they? Yeah, we, we, we did Gremlins 2, The Boy, Chain Letter, and Countdown. And then. Oh, Excision. That's right. We did talk about Excision. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that was the last movie. one that was just. Um... Us two. Just the two of us building yeah, sure, podcasts sure. in the sky. Mm-hmm. Just the two of us. <laughs> you and I. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, the energy I'm coming to uh, 200 with is I just drank the thickest smoothie ever because I was like, oh, I need food. Filled with protein, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, filled with peanut butter. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, I needed, I need, I was like, I need, I need something drinkable. So, so it will be fast to consume, but also will stick with me. So let's just make a smoothie, but make it peanut butter. And I was like, for some reason in my head, I was like, does the peanut butter flavor will not come through super strong. I don't know why, because peanut butter, butter is almost unilaterally the Blair? most overpowering flavor ever. Did I cut Uh-oh. out? Oh no. Blair. Hey, can you not hear me? Shit. Blair? No. Blair, yay! Hey! Oh, That might have been on my end, I think. No, I I sent messages, and they did not go through, so it is on my end. So, you know what? Hey, guys. It'll be a little touch and go. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) We're just... Listen, flashback to the early days of this podcast, when I was talking into a fucking... Well, I had a, I had a, like a, I had like a fucking decent mic back then, right? Because I'd bought mm-hmm. like a, not like a good one, but I'd like gone to the store and spent, I'd, I'd gone to Best Buy and sent, spent $80 on a USB mic. Yeah. And now listen to me talking all crisp and clear into this beautiful XLR microphone. I've got a pop filter. I'm a professional podcaster. Look at how far I've come. Look, it's, I'm sorry. I just, I'm going to be getting weird and kind of like sappy on this episode because it's fucked up that I've done anything for this long. Like I can't, <laughs> the last time I did literally anything for this long was like going to high school 
And that was only four years. This has been more than four years. That's so funny. Um, I have, it's so funny because I've literally downgraded my sound quality because I had a nice microphone, it got water damaged, and then I never replaced it. <laughs> Honestly, king shit. <laughs> I'm like, look, I still have the microphone. I'm looking at it in a bin because I don't know how to dispose of it. Um... And I don't, but I do not believe it is fixable. Yeah, I, I remember recording our first episode in the the sweaty little shared computer room with my parents. Oh my god, <laughs> I, oh my god, I, I must. So I must have been still at. I I rented. Oh, this was when I was still at college, and I was renting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, library you were still rooms. You you oh. were you were like a sophomore in college, or not? A yes, sophomore. I you was. A, I was a sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. No, um, that can't that can't be right because I yeah. I graduated the same year that we started this podcast. Um, oh, so you, like right now, five years ago, you would have been a sophomore. But when we started the podcast, which was like in June or July, that would have been the transitional period of I just graduated. You were going from sophomore to junior. Yes. Yes. God. Correct. We started oh. this podcast in a pre-Trump era. <laughs> Wild. Um, I mean, just barely, right? Just barely. Right, like by, by a couple of months. By, by, by pre-Trump era, I mean pre-Trump president era. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So, so much history we've seen and not so, talked about on this podcast. So many memories. <laughs> so, so many so many bits. Remember that so, episode where I just kept saying John Hurt jokes? Jokes, that is that, so that's from our event horizon episode, <laughs> which as you will recall because you just listed off i think before the we first started five. recording yep like our fifth episode mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like the thing is when you're when you're doing just like when you're when your podcast is just all horror movies it's really hard to there's like no like start good starting point no Unless you, like because i think like if you like if you start with something like old school like if you're like okay first horror movie we're doing nosferatu and you're like that really like sets you up for like oh okay th- so this is the kind of pod horror movie podcast right yeah but then like you started with like a friday the 13th and you're like oh but that's that's gonna be such good real estate to do later and so we started with final prayer aka the borderlands one of my favorite found footage movies of all time yes i mean i think it became one of our found, favorite found footage horror movies because we watched it for the show i believe I had watched it beforehand, but I, it like jumped up in the charts to like, like it, it, it is sitting like, it is sitting shoulder to shoulder with like Creep and Creep 2, in my opinion. For sure, for sure. I'm higher than that for me, but I still love Creep very much. And they're, they're close. They're all close. <laughs> is, 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 Bla- is Blair Witch just your number one? Oh, unilateral. Yes, of course. Yeah. I, I'm. I, I respect, I respect Blair Witch a hell of a lot. I just think that I saw it a little bit too far after its release. Oh, for sure, it to yeah. have had the impact that it had on so many people on me. I still love it. Like, it is like, like if I were to make a top five, Blair Witch is, a top five found footage, Blair Witch is 100% in there, but. Yeah, I don't know, because I didn't see it, like, super early in my life either. Like, I saw it when I was in, like, late high school. I didn't um, see it till I, I didn't see it till I was 22. Like, oh, I, I see. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, but I, I saw it when I was, like, maybe 17 or 18 or something like that. And then I watched it, like, eight times after that. It's a good, many will say it's a good movie. It quite, it's quite good. I, many will say I even named myself after it. <laughs> many will say we did a very good fear baiting episode about it. Many will say that. Some will. God, we'll say two, that. <laughs> 200 fucking episodes. Dude, it's crazy. It's um, frankly an insane amount of, like, I don't, I could not, I don't know how I had this dead, like, 
dedication it feels like the wrong word to apply to this because this is just like i have not quit more than mm-hmm. i am like obsessively dedicated stubbornness yeah <laughs> it's just like i i i I can't do any, I, I can't keep a habit for two weeks. And yet here I am having done this podcast for f- almost five fucking years. I know. Oof. Wow. And like how many episodes I've missed, like maybe like what, five, six episodes. Oh yeah. We did not make, a, we did not make a habit of missing episodes and you've been even more rigorous about it even <laughs> since I left. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, by missed episodes, I mean like episodes, which I was not present on. Like there were, there were a couple of times when you had to, you know, pull the boat by, pull the boat by yourself. But like, Damn, I've really been on pretty much all of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, and I think there were a couple weeks we maybe both skipped, but I'm... Yeah. No, we, I mean, given the fact that this is episode 200, but we're coming up on our five-year anniversary, we've definitely missed about, uh, about nine months worth of episodes at some point. But you also really? consider... <laughs> I mean, oh, well, I guess okay, the math don't shake out, right? But yeah. Hold on. You you do have to consider that for the past, like, year, I have been operating on a strange schedule where it's, like, you know, the three on, one off, three. So that's, that's right. adding to mm-hmm. it. There were planned breaks that we took. Like, we took, a, we've taken a couple of months off. Um, right, I remember yes. we had to take, I remember I took, like, a week or two after you had to step down because I was just like, okay, well, I, I respect that. I just need to, like, figure out what I'm doing with the show now. <laughs> right on. Yes, absolutely. So, like, I think, honestly, we've probably missed closer to, like, I don't know. Like, over five years, I would guess maybe, like, something like 20 weeks that just didn't have an episode. Mm -hmm. That was not, like, planned to not have an episode. Right, totally. Uh, Pretty good. Which is pretty fucking good track record. Like, damn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, good at giving ourselves breaks. (laughs) We are. Which is valuable. Hey, anyone who does anything, which is literally everyone listening, um, give yourself breaks. And, And... um, spontaneously and planned. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes just it. wake up with a thought in your head of, I don't want to fucking do this podcast today. I do not have the energy. And you DM your friend and they're like, oh, thank God, I feel like shit too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <sighs> Memories. <laughs> Memories. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Um, man. Want to talk about a movie? Weird. Yeah, let's do that instead. Reminiscing is weird (laughs) it's cringe it's cringe but we love it it is yes it is okay rating everyone it's your number one blueprint for all of the future podcasts that you will make that i will make podcast i'm sarah and i'm joined this week by you know him you love him hopefully it's It's blair it's a funny little man named blair it's a funny little man named blair Mm -hmm. how are you doing on this fine sunday afternoon blair i'm doing pretty pretty good i'm doing better than i did last sunday afternoon which is to say (laughs) was was not deliriously hungover and had more than six hours of sleep you are a fucking tank for surviving last week's episode. I barely. I was like falling asleep as we were recording and you couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, 
So we watched, we watched, this is the end of March Night Shyamalan, which is something that I'm probably going to make like a regular thing around March time. Um, probably not going to be exclusively M. Night directed after this because he only direct, he's only directed so many movies, but, um, we'll take a, well, you know, we'll be dipping back into the, to the, to the, to Mr. Night's Wells. So Mm -hmm. if you're really excited to see, um, not After Earth, was After Earth the name of the movie that he directed? Yes, it was. Jaden Mm -hmm. Smith. It was indeed. I was looking at his filmography earlier today, so yes, so it was after. So if you really want to get to like After Earth and Devil and Stuart Little, we'll get to those in we'll get to those in uh, future years. But this month, today, we watched this week. We watched M Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense, and yes, we did. And I just love this movie. I think this is just a really well put together story, and I think Bruce Willis is doing it. I, I really think it's one of Bruce Willis's like Bruce Willis at his most charismatic, if nothing else. I think yes. Haley Joel Osment is great. Like, he is, like, even by a child act, even, like, not, like, not even considering by child actor standards. I just think he's, like, genuinely good in this. Not just good for a child actor. And yeah. And mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of the stuff that, like, really sings in this movie, you can tell M. Night Shyamalan tried to replicate either. Later, like, like the relationship between Bruce Willis and Haley Joel Osment's character, I feel like, I feel like the, the, uh, Paul G, uh, a Paul Gia baby and story in Lady in the Water is supposed to be like that. But the problem is that, like, M. Night Shyamalan made too many tweaks to that formula, which was ma- the, the main tweak being to make the Haley Joel Osment part of that, uh, dynamic, uh, adult sexy lady. Yeah. But I, I was also reminded of the children and signs where, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, like I feel like um, uh, Cole, which is Haley Joel Osment's character, um, mm-hmm. like his his writing like balances like naivete, precociousness, a sense of humor. Like like it feels, um, it's it's obviously like oh this is a this is a TV not TV movie like level precociousness for a child. Um, so it is still that cliche, but it is but it is a cliche in an, a really enjoyable way. You know? Yeah, I think I think that he like he really does nail like the exact right balance of like precocious without being like an alien life form of a child exactly yes um and And i think m night Shyamalan just like tried to return to like m night Shyamalan just kept trying to come back to this well and like and like you can kind of see that like i i think that like if this movie did not have a twist in it like at the end that it does i think that this movie that m night Shyamalan would not be renowned for his twist endings like i think that like the super strong reaction to this one is just like has just made him I mean, this is nothing new. This is no new ground being tread here when I'm saying this, but like, he like he got hooked on the reception to that and was like, oh, okay, I guess all of my stories need that now. Mm-hmm. Like, even even uh, uh, Haley Joel Osment literally says this in the well. Maybe this wasn't something that was rec- that was reinforced by his knowledge. But maybe it's not. You know what? Let me rephrase. Mm. Given that I just remember that Haley Joel Osment literally says in the movie, "Stories need a twist." I don't mm-hmm. think that the twist in, that the twist is the twist's presence in this movie made M Night Shyamalan the success of it made M Night Shyamalan put a twist in every one of his other movies. I think he just genuinely thinks that every story needs a massive plot twist in it. And yeah, yeah. I think that works here. That it does like, work. It, yeah, it works very well here. But there are also some movies of his that just like do not need a twist, and like they try to sell you on a twist that isn't really a twist, like. I think the plants doing everything in the ha- in the happening is supposed to be a twist. I wish of. it was telegraphed better. You know what? I wish the happening was. I wish it was a better movie. I really do. The th- so the thing about M Night that I'm learning, and also based on the other movies I've seen of his, is that in general he tends to have a pretty, at least, interesting 
um, starter ideas, like a pretty interesting elevator pitch of an idea. Um, oh, 100%. But um, uh, I think he buys his own bullshit too much now. Very uh, much. I think I think the recept- the reception of this movie and Unbreakable really fucked him up in terms of his trajectory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If and if more like, people had said if more people had been critical to this movie, which I mean like if you know, you call a good movie a good movie. Like I don't think you shouldn't do exactly that, but right, I'm just yes. saying like if, if this movie had if this movie and Unbreakable had not been so well received, I think he would be on a very different and better trajectory as a filmmaker, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, um, and you know, he's, he, this was his most, car- this still is his most commercially successful film, um, I believe, and uh, he's tried to make a bit of a comeback, uh, though Glass tanked in the box office, obviously, uh, but I, I just think, like, yeah, he's just not going to top, because this is so classic, like, there's just, everything about this is so classic. Oh um, no! It's... Blair Glass did not tank in the box office. Did it not? Oh, I think it's tanked by critic standards. Oh, absolutely! But it it, yes. it cost twenty million to make and made a hundred, made two hundred fifty million. Okay, so it did pretty well in the box office, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, <laughs> widely regarded as um a uh, uh, a pretty poor follow up to the Unbreakable Cinematic Universe, I guess. Mm-hmm weird well i mean um, the unbreakable cinematic Un- i i don't think that you can call that a, a a bad follow-up to the unbreakable cinematic universe when i think that the follow-up prior to that was split and i know all... but, but split is split has its issues of like in, in sort of a uh um an ableism what am I looking for? sort of yeah angle. ableism and yeah that sort of thing um i was looking for a more general word but yes let's say what it is um yeah. uh but it but it was wi- widely regarded as like a well made, well written film and more of a return to form for him. Um, uh, all other things considered, I've never seen it personally, but that's what, you know it got really good reviews. Um, but uh, no, I think it's um, I think um, it's not like it's lightning in a bottle. It's just that you need to have someone telling you no occasionally. Yeah, exactly. I think that... <laughs> I, I'm sure that, like, Blank Check, the podcast... I need to listen to the Blank Check I'm Night Shyamalan podcast because I'm sure they go into this. But, like, the... the It's 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 very, like... I don't want to sound like I'm comparing I'm Night... I'm Night Shyamalan's trajectory and J.K. Rowling's trajectories are very similar to me, except for one of those is much more tainted with a lot, a lot of bigotry. And one of them is just, like mostly harmless he's just, just kind of schlocky really yeah like i i like m night Shyamalan isn't out here like doing anything abhorrent i just think he's not making great movies yes yeah you know and and it's, just like, it's just like <laughs> the like i i've been listening to the shrieking shack and they talk about how jk rowling had like full editorial control over the last like two or three books and you mm-hmm. can totally feel it because um a good <laughs> a good writer is uh a, a great editor is always behind a good writer and if you're mm-hmm. if you, you need an editor you need an editor and my Shyamalan do. needs an editor mm-hmm. um and it's 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 like it's a, such a meaningful like role, and I think th- there's like there's like an ego that gets in the way, but there shouldn't be because um, art is a collaborative process, always. And um, M-, M Night wants to be an auteur. Yeah, but even auteurs collaborate. They, they, it is that's, tr- that's true. Like I I I 
I, I, I go back and forth every so often about the concept of auteur theory and that, like, I think that there are some directors who are very, very recognizable. Even, but on the other hand, I feel like auteurship takes away from the credit that is being that is deserved to be given to the rest of the crew. And I just kind of waffle back and forth on exactly how much I believe it. But M. Night Shyamalan wants to be an auteur so badly. Yeah. I like, guess when like, yeah when I'm when I think of like auteur I just mean like a really really specific vision and style but but I think it's um it's I think we would benefit in general to like consider auteurship as sort of um as a team effort you know because a lot of these people who have a really specific vision and style work with the same crew behind right, the scenes right and and I, 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 I mean, depending on the ego of the individual, you never know. Um, I, I assume they would be like, the reason why they continue with these teams is they're like, well, well, I know, you know, the art I create is the way it is because of the other people I work with. Right. Um, and I think it would behoove us. <laughs> but I'm saying that. I don't even know who the editor or whoever helped work on this film with him is. <laughs> there was no editor. There, I'm just going to say, it. I'm not going to fucking look it up. There was no editor. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're actually, not actually no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. We're, talk, we're talking about good at Night Shyamalan. I, there was no editor for the happening. Nobody stepped in and told him, hey, dude, you cannot make Mark Wahlberg the fucking big brain science guy. Man, I was, every scene in this movie, I was thinking about how. Some of them were, like, exist in the other movies we saw, um, and how it's just done so much better here. Exactly. Like, the thing is that, like, if you go into the happening not knowing that it's the plants thing, and then you, like, I think that, like, the... M. Night Shyamalan loves to make the movies different on rewatch. Like, that's... Mm -hmm. And I, I respect that. Like, this movie... I truly do wish I could have gone into this movie without knowing... Without having known about it. But it's very because, cool to watch it going. Yeah, and like, and you well, see though. all of the attention, all of the little attention to detail that your brain, like, and you see it, and like on multiple occasions, I had to rewind, and I was like, "Oh, did he open the door there?" And it's no, your brain just truncates these things. Like, you see a shot of him walking up to his door, and you see a shot of him walking into his home, but you never see him interact with the door, and your brain just truncates it, and you just don't notice it. And I think that's really, really cool. And <sighs> yes. I sorry, I'm just gonna be geeking out about this movie because I real I, I like I just genuinely do think this is a good ass movie. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's like that's I, I, I was thinking about that but not not specific like phrasing. Um but I think that's so interesting and it's 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 like it's taking advantage of unnecessary like storytelling and filmmaking aspect, which is to just um rely on your audience to assume they know what happens between scenes just by logic. Exactly. And this entire move this the, the entire twist of this movie is predicated upon the audience thinking that they know what's happening between scenes. Like mm -hmm. we see Bruce Willis get fucking shot and then the camera just goes dark and then we say and then it goes like this and then later that fall and we're just all and the entire audience just assumes okay he's fine now. We know what happened between there. He recovered. Yeah, because he got shot, but now look at him. There's Bruce he's Willis. He's fine now. Yeah. Um I, I'm just I'm just thinking about like how funny it is that like the the twist of this movie is just that like no he didn't like he, you saw him get shot and die <laughs> yeah and and the um the other characters interacting with him it's usually just it's usually just women I, I noticed I was just like it's just um Haley Joel Osment's uh, Tony Collette um uh, uh -huh. and and his his wife whose actress is a name I don't remember off the top of my head um. 
uh, Olivia Will- Williams. Olivia Williams. Um, okay. Uh, uh, like it, it, it's obvious knowing you're like, oh, you can see how this this character is looking past him and just waiting, you know, and not actually, yeah. and and you can see those things, but like, at the same time, there's enough. First of all, it's there's a there's just you know. It, as an audience, we're we're making sense of things as we're watching them, you know? So we're like, well, obviously Bruce Willis it's, is it's, alive. It's it's a really funny way that it plays with, like, the the, co- the, the cognitive behavior of our brain. Like, I yeah. just think it's really, like, I, I just think it's a really, it's just well, really well-crafted. Like, it's... Yeah. If, if he could, like, if he ha- managed to hang on to that level of subtlety throughout the rest of his career, I think... Um, even with all the strange dialogue in, in his other movies, um, uh, I, I still think if if the, the, the twists were more subtle and more gently hinted at, um, they would feel much more satisfying movies. Yeah. Um, he fails doing that because they're very, very ham-fisted. He just got Uh, a huge, he just got a really big head about this one. Yeah, but but you know what? They're more ham-fisted because it's way easier. I feel like to because it's a, it's a simple deceit to say that what, this character is actually dead. That's that's a pretty simple deceit. Instead of um, uh, water hurts aliens or um, right. the plants are making us crazy. Right. Um, those things are harder to subtly telegraph. Um, I mean, not that much harder, and I could I could definitely come up with reasons, but it. Um, it is, uh, you would have to, there's more um, moving parts involved, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, you can just make, you can just, like, the, the stipulations you have to enact in order to get this one done is just pretty easy. Just, no one can look at Bruce Willis, no one can talk to Bruce Willis. That's it. Only Haley exactly. Joel Osment can. That's the only, that's really the only stipulations you got to make. And I just, I just, I, 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 every time I watch this movie, I'm just astounded by the number of times that we see Bruce Willis attempt to open the basement door fail and then just be shown walking downstairs and mm-hmm. just are like oh he, he got it open eventually mm-hmm. um and this this movie you know i mean obviously it does benefit by rewatch but there's a lot of instances where you know the editing of like editing in so far as um like not script editing but like film editing is like hey remember this ain't that funny um and but i think it, it works and it does it feels like oh holy fuck yeah i do remember that <laughs> yeah and um, we, we just kind of went straight into our discussion of this movie, but I guess I can just give a quick plot rundown before we get into it, because I feel like most people know the plot of The Sixth Sense. Yes, yes. Um, so we've got Bruce Willis as Malcolm Crowe, who's a psychologist, an award-winning psychologist. One night when he's going to fuck his wife, a, a, a former patient of his shows up with a gun and no, no pants and uh, shoots him in the tummy and then shoots himself in the head. Bruce mm-hmm. Will- then we jump forward into the fall of that year. Bruce Willis has a new patient. It is Cole, played by Haley Joel Osment, who is a troubled little boy whose parents are divorced, and it sucks to be him. Bruce Willis works with him and helps the kid out. The kid, uh, and we eventually find out an hour in that the kid can see dead people. Mm-hmm. We then are treated to a sort of rogues gallery of ghosts that uh, Cole can see, and sometimes he helps them. Sometimes he can't help them and just experiences them. Yes. Uh, and then at the very, and then at the very end, we find out that Bruce Willis is dead. Uh, and yes. has been dead the whole time since he got shot in the tummy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking about this. And are you familiar with the fact that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure spoiled this movie for Japanese audiences? I am not familiar with that. That so is brand new information in, to me. In in part six of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean, 
one of the characters, Jolene, walks into a rec room and sees The Sixth Sense playing on the TV. And she says, oh, I love this movie. It's so crazy that Bruce Willis is dead at the end of it. And everyone on the couch starts being like, what the fuck? Come on, Jolene. <laughs> and then, but the thing is that this, that the Stone Ocean was being published as this movie was released in the US. So yeah. it had not made its way overseas to be, over to Japan to be like, subtitled and dubbed over for them to watch so they Hirohiko Araki effectively spoiled the sixth sense for every single Japanese person who was reading his comics at the time that's crazy it's so so funny funny. like like it's so funny that a character doing it like a character diegetically doing a spoiler for someone else for someone in the comic was also just a spoiler for most of the reading population (laughs) yes oh my god that rules. That does rule. Genuinely, that rules. Um, that's so funny. Um, <sighs> I think a major core of this that makes this movie work that is just ab- completely absent from the other three M. Night Shyamalan movies that we watched this month is just such a sense of chemistry. And I think Bruce Willis is bringing a lot to the table, but I think that the interactions between him and Cole are just so pitch perfect. Like, mm-hmm. like I-, I said it earlier that Haley Joel Osment is really bringing his A-game in this, and I, like, I-, I stand by that. I think that, like, all the times that he's interacting on screen with Bruce Willis, like, there is the exact amount of, like, give and take that you want in this relationship of this, like, this psychologist trying to help this little kid and like there's just a, a I don't know so just seeing them interact makes me feel like ha- not happy but like I, I feel like there's just like a really good chemistry between them mm-hmm. um yeah I will say the only the only performance to mine that's a little flat but that's okay because like she's she's not really a huge fixture of the movie and she's not even flat all the time uh would be uh his wife Anna. yeah um, but I, I for, it's forgivable, you know? Right. Um, it's a flat performance because she's, de- she's depressed about her. She, she's like experiencing her own lifetime movie about her husband dying and her, her being haunted by his ghost while she tries to find new love while working in a, in a jewelry store. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Bruce Willis is so charming in the way you could tell, um, M. Night wanted a Mel Gibson to be charming. Um, Mel mm-hmm. Gibson is not a charming man. Um, like the thing is that like Bruce Willis is on his own charming, but Bruce Willis's charm really goes up to 11 when he's got someone else to bounce off of. Oh, for sure. And I think that like, we see that in the very beginning in the scene with, uh, Bruce Willis and his wife, there's just like, they're just having back and forth and it's just so effortless. He's just so effortlessly charming. And then he just kind of gets, he kind of like gets that same vibe when I just kind of get that same vibe whenever, when he starts like doing his psychology to Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. Man, yeah, that first conversation we have with them, like, the, it's, like, it is, it is, in a different movie, this scene would be so overwritten and so strange. In a different M. Night Shyamalan movie, Exactly, that's what I mean, so, yeah. And, it, yeah. The th- and the mm-hmm. thing that's insane, the thing that's insane about this movie, given M. Night Shyamalan, is that, like, the, the thing that she brings up here about his him putting everything in his life second to his work that's the only time that's referenced until the end when when bruce willis is realizes he's a ghost and says you were never second to me you were second to nothing babe and then fades into the fades into the ether like in an if this movie was released today there would be like six discrete references to bruce willis is saying second to none second to none second to none second to you know yeah yeah additionally the the very expensive frame you know there are things that point to this. Like we, we like Bruce Willis, when he, when his wife won't talk to him, he assumes that it's, we we're meant to assume that it's because he has fallen too hard into his work and is just like putting her second. But like, he never actually like refers to 
that thing of her being of everything else in her life being second. Like there, in a current in this, if this movie was made twenty years later, and I'm like Shyamalan made this one, like every other scene would be him talking about that award and how he felt so bad about putting his wife on the back burner for it, and like that there is that in this movie. I don't want to say that like he's not doing that, but like it would just be so much more overwrought. Yes, it is again much more subtly and delicately telegraphed. Um, it is it is telegraphed strongly enough that you remember it when he mentions it again, but it's it's not you don't feel like yes we fucking get it. You know, you're not sick of it by the time it comes up again. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm thinking about like cuz there's there are the they crack weird the crack jokes that feel very M night at the beginning of this like the first scene of this movie. Right. Um uh but they feel M Night at his more uh, uh, pared down and charming, you know. Exactly. Um, I, yeah. I do think M Night has a pretty good sense of humor because it is a little like off. It's like, oh, that's not the reference I would pull, you know, or that's right. not the way I would think about that. But it's 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 an interesting way you've like uh, communicated this like, joke. That, yeah. I I I think Signs sucks, but the joke of Mel Gibson running outside and shouting, "I'm full of rage!" Like that, I I have not laughed at a movie like that in a while. And it works, and it works. And like you said uh, last week with the, or um, yeah, with last week with the the happening pl- fake plant scene. Um, yeah. It works. That works. Um, it's like it's a M- little M Night is yeah. M Night's like there aren't a, there this this movie is not like overrunning with jokes, but when there are jokes, they are very funny. Like and they're small things too. Like. Like Bruce Willis, when uh, when Bruce Willis's wife uh, starts to see a new guy, he sees the new guy and is like, "Fuck you, dick cheese." Strange, such a deeply strange insult. Right? Um, that and you yet know it what? comes out, and yet it feels perfect coming out of Bruce Willis's mouth. Yeah, and I think I think it's also um, um, it is restraint. There's a restraint there, you know, because I feel like that line would feel more strange in a different move, different M Night movie, because there would be way more strange dialogue surrounding it. So you'd just be like a fucking another deeply strange example. You know who oh. is, fu- you know what is fucking hilarious in this movie? Mm. The kid who shows up in two scenes who is, who is just, who has such a big head about the fact that he's a commercial actor. It's so good. And then you get <laughs> like, to see the commercial he's in. <laughs> it's so good. I love the- it. The, the kids like fucking the kids like fucking telling lies out of school like my uncle works in Nintendo shit like yeah I'm in a commercial so I get a whole trailer all to myself mm-hmm. and like there's another the, the first time we see him early on like he like runs up on Cole uh, on his way to school and like puts his arm around him to be like hey buddy and then like as soon as he's out of field of view of his mom the kids like yeah I was just acting you know like actors do <laughs> and it's just so like it is so delightfully like like it's so weird because like we. It's the most realistic child I think I've ever seen out of M Night Shyamalan. Like, yeah, no, all these kids are like, all the kids in this in this uh, uh, movie are like really well directed, and um, yeah, their the, performances the play they, don't scene. feel don't feel like you know based like based in reality, but so like n- nobody in any movie does. You know, it's like oh, this right. is a movie child, but in a in a, a recognizable fun way. And I think that um, like really, I think that really sells it for me is like the. I'm not trying to say go out here and say that all these kids are like the fucking Shirley Temple of acting, 
but like the, the you see them acting and then you see them like acting like shitty kids in a play when they're in the play and i just think it's really funny to see them just be like really bad at acting yeah yeah oh man i i didn't even think like, about that but like, totally there, there yeah. is not, like it takes look, I, I love i love someone who's really good at acting pretending to be really bad at acting like mm -hmm. uh michael imperioli in the sopranos there's a couple of times when he has to like do very bad acting and mm -hmm. i love that shit but a child doing it is it just even better. <laughs> I mean, it's been said before, probably by me, but also people before me, um, uh, that like, a basically for, for most child actors, I, I would say, if not all child actors, which makes sense, obviously, because, you know, they are not a fully developed human person, their acting is about as good as their direction. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, so being able to, like, I mean, obviously, like, it, it's worthwhile not to downplay any of these, like, actors' skills, um, uh, because, especially for the kids, you know, you're learning valuable skills and so far as performance, uh, if you're being directed well. Um, but uh, to, to be able to, to act accurately, like, convince a child, so you're going to do uh, bad acting on purpose right? in this scene. Uh, you're going you're gonna to do the thing in Skyrim where you wait for the guy's line to finish completely before cutting him off. Yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's so um, good. I, okay, I, I, I'm not going to go to the part of the movie that I have a bone to pick with, which is that after the movie, around that hour mark is when Cole reveals that he can see ghosts. And then from then on, we have like a rogues gallery of ghosts just kind of like showing up to be scary. And I think some of them work. Like, I, I love the one where, where Cole just sees the kid and he's like, hey, come check out my dad's gun. Then he turns around, there's a massive hole in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I feel like so much of it just becomes, like, a, a spooky house of jump scares for a little bit. Um, yeah. And, like, I, I'm i of two minds about it because I think it, it does really help recontextualize some of the strange ways we've been seeing Cole act up until now. Like, he has just seen these things all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it just kind of feels like it's not tying into too many things. Like, that time when he goes into the kitchen and sees the woman being like, I'm not your fucking dinner i killed myself why yeah i don't know the thing is um i think i think for us we 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 benefit from having watched so many fucking horror movies because when i remember when i saw this when i was much younger i i think i was in single digits probably if not then i was in middle school um uh it scared the shit out of me this whole movie scared the shit out of me and i'm not yeah. like a, i'm not a scared child you know typically um so I think this I, movie is. I think this movie is really is really disquieting. Like the way that you see just like these these mutilated, deceased like corpses just and just walking around like normal human beings. I think it's like genuinely like kind of troubling. Like it's it's very. It reminds me a little bit of. Um, did you ever watch Dead Like Me? I did. Yes. So you remember how in Dead Like Me, if they get, if they take someone's soul after they die, it's deformed in the way that like you know if someone like dies of blunt force trauma to the head and then their soul gets taken, they have that blunt force trauma mark for the rest of their immortal life, afterlife. Mm -hmm. Like it's really it really reminds me of that. Like you just see like these people like you see a woman with like just like a head like a fucking like thing through her head with a bike helmet on and she's bleeding all over her face and like mm -hmm. I just think it's some really effective imagery. Just like people who like look completely fucked up but have but just kind of are just going about their day. Yeah, yeah. The, the like those people or... those people who are stuck yeah. in nooses but just kind of like smiling at Cole. I think it's really up upsetting. Mhm. Mm yeah, it's um yeah, I, I, I think the ghosts work really well in this for the most part. Oh, um, for sure. 
Yeah, I, I, and what I, what I appreciated is that there was, it was not, you know, we could have had a, a sort of fetch quest vibe, um, where, in where, uh, uh, um, Cole revealed he could see dead people much earlier on in the movie, and then, uh, much more of this movie was solving ghosts' problems. Yeah. Um, but I think the I mean, one instance of that is good. Exactly. No, I think, and that's good. Like it, uh, I think we don't, we don't need that over over explained to us um and i feel like it would be very tempting for any writer honestly to do that because it is a interesting idea and i'm sure that m night had a bunch of different ideas of what that would look like and i imagine would probably want to see all of them represented um and understandable impulse of course um but uh not not one that makes a good story but just the one i loved it i think the whole like munchausen by proxy thing yeah it's good it's 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 because it's not too gruesome um and there's like a sense of justice attached to it as well yeah no i i I fully agree and i i think like seeing seeing cole do it just once and realize oh shit i can use this fucking curse that i have to help people like i think that's really good and we don't need to see more of that yeah. And then I think yeah. that, like, I think looking at this movie, like, that is an impetus. Like, he can help people move on. That is an impetus for him to aid Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we do see it two more times with Bruce Willis and then with his grandmother. Um, but, right, right, right. But, but those are, but Bruce Willis is our main character, so that makes sense. And um, Tony Collette's, like, the mother of our, our secondary main character. And it does put a really, really nice um, uh, bookend to this book, well, not not bookend, but because uh, you would assume that they would start and finish with that, and I also called it a book, which it's not. This is a film. Um, uh, 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 um, you know, uh, well, it just like ends it really nicely, you know. And yeah. God, Tony Collette. I mean, God, I mean, we all know she's an amazing actress. Tony Collette um, is Tony Collette as a distraught mother will outact literally any person you on the fucking planet Earth. She does it. She's she's so charming. Uh, she's so funny, and she, but she um, relays a sense of tension um, so well. Um, and and like, I mean, if we're gonna compare this to her performance in Hereditary, it's which like, I am. Yeah, no, exactly. But I think it's a valid one to do. It, and um, it's, a, it's a similar It's a similar like role that she's fulfilling. I agree. I agree. And it's but it, it, that tension she communicates. I mean, this just goes to show a lot of like nuance and performance, which I think is so interesting. Um, the tension she communicates is like when we have like in hereditary where it is, there's malice in that tension, you know, not maybe mm-hmm. not initially, but it does build and build and build and build. And we see the malice there and the tension. It's more within this movie. It's more like I'm scared for my child, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, I, she's not in the Babadook, but I'm remembered of the, the, the presence of the, the, the mother in the Babadook who is mm-hmm. like, she is it doesn't quite go to this length in this movie but like she is like uh actively upset with her child in the babadook mm-hmm. in a way that i don't feel in this and i think that's really i think that's a really hard line to walk of like being scared and like not like angry at your child but like angry at not being able to figure out why your child is like this just like a frustration of the self that like you, like uh, uh, like and, and they like I, i'm like i'm like just fucking head cannoning shit at this point i guess but like given that she's a single mother i think that bears on her a hell of a lot more than it did to tony collette in hereditary and that she is like 
I'm doing something fucking wrong with this kid. This kid is so fucked up and it's all because of me. I'm doing something very, I'm not doing something right. Please, someone tell me what to do so I can take good care of my child. It's all I want. Well, I will say what the difference is, is in like, just in like, I guess, interpreting the performance is that, um, uh, Tony Collette in this movie, she's never scared of. No, she's not. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh. She's scared with. Yeah. Scared with scared, but largely scared for. Um, and, and, um, uh, nervous about the fact that he's terrified all the time and the fact that he's got these weird bruises and marks and scratches and stuff and she can't figure out where they're coming from. Um, and the fact that, uh, he's saying things that don't make sense and obviously seems really freaked out about the fact that he's saying things that to her don't make sense. Um, but you don't ever see... I mean, we have one moment where she's like, you're scaring me, which is when he, he's talking about, oh, I, there's, there was a woman who died up there. She's right by my window. I see ghosts. And she's like, hey, hey, you're scaring me. But then, you know, I mean, the, the thing about this movie is that it, it does feel very kid-friendly. Like, I feel like I could comfortably yeah. let, um, like, a, a, a 12-year-old watch this with me. Or maybe even, like, a 10-year-old watch this with me, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't I know, t- but, but I, 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 I should I never just, raise just, children, but, so maybe don't take... Don't take... I think, this I is think not parenting you could show, you could show a, I think you show. I think you could show a teen this, but it's really hit or miss on the 10-year-old. I think if you, I think if you like, miss on the 10-year-old, they're just going to be seeing that kid with the back of his head blown out in their nightmares for the rest of their life, and you've just fucked up a perfectly good 10-year-old at that point. <laughs> I think by 10, you know how scared a child, uh, scared a child is going to be. You know? right. Me at 10, I could not have handled this movie. I could not have handled, honestly, I couldn't have handled this movie at like 17. <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, but I think, I think I said 10 because I'm like, you've, you've seen them watch children's cartoons enough that you know what sort of uh, atypically scary things would scare them. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's the internal logic. Yeah, again, I would never raise children, but I could be someone's weird uncle. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Um, oh, God so willing, the... and the creek don't rise. <laughs> My sister's never gonna have kids. Um, um, but I will be. I will be honorary uncles. Uh, yeah. Uncles. I'm more than one uncle. Um, <laughs> do I do I contradict myself very well? Then I am vast. I contain monkletudes. <laughs> <laughs> not not how I thought you were gonna shove uncle into that phrase. Um, uh, very good. Very good. Do I contradict uh, myself? Okay. <laughs> That's so much worse. It is. Kunkle is a terrible word. Kunkle. Mm-hmm. Kunkle is my favorite Pokemon from Gen 10. <laughs> They'll get to it in a couple years. Uh, um, oh, God, what else was I going to say? I don't know. I'm just like, I, I think um, everything, this, this movie is just so fun. It's just so fun. It is. Um, it's it's uh, it's so funny. It's so fun, and it's it's so fucking heartbreaking, too. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I was telling a friend that I was gonna watch it today, and uh, she was like, "Oh, I quite cried for twenty minutes after it," which makes sense for her. But also, she was like, "And then my sister's boyfriend cried on her shoulder for like like twenty minutes after watching this movie too." And I was like, first of all, love that." Great vibes on him, but also, um, yeah, no, this it's heartbreaking, truly, mm-hmm. and like the best way though. 
it's a really good it's a really good story like i think that like i i the the i just completely lost what the fuck i was gonna say it just it's just a tightly knit story like it is mm-hmm. like you know it doesn't fe- i i don't there are times when this movie doesn't the things that are not explicitly plot relevant never feel meandering. They feel like really well built into a character. I do have those complaints about a couple of things about, you know, just Cole's spooky house of jump scares. There's mm-hmm. a couple of instances of that, but like aside from that, nothing really feels like meandering or unnecessary in any way. It just kind of feels like good character building or good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I I just I really like what I, even even the superfluous characters I really enjoy, you know? Yeah. You know, maybe, like the maybe kid, they like feel the like... Kid. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, that. And, like, um, I remember remembering in the classroom scene, and we see him, I think, at the birthday party scene as well, just this kid who's just sort of, like, not... Like, just, I don't know, the curly-haired kid who is, uh, yeah, I think, the, the troublemaker. Trouble. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have a lot to do in this movie, but God, is he fun to watch the little he does have to do. He does. He he gets to watch uh, his teacher get called Stuttering Stanley. He gets to watch. Oh his, he gets to watch his teacher experience an ableist uh, aggression. Yeah. By a nine-year-old. Yeah. And yeah, and even those like those like tertiary characters um, uh, give such great performances, um, and. M. Knight does pretty well in this movie, too. He's, I mean, he's not, you can tell still, you're like, you're not a good actor, you know? But you are... He's you he's are, minimal enough in this movie to not really pay it. Like, he shows up in one scene. It's, he it's, is, uh, he's good enough for a, ca- a director who likes being in cameos. Exactly. This is, yeah. like, this, I, I brought this up last week, but this is, like, the, this is, like, the, about the exact same weight as Peter Jackson's cameo in Dead Alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... And not a fucking major part of the movie uh, it, that is like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, and obvi- so obviously we, we M. Night has um, perpetrated some like really, really racist characterizations in his movies. Um, we, this is not so much a problem in this one. And I, even though this movie is very white. Um, yes. I, I will say even... I, I, I was I, like, speaking speaking of invoking the nooses in the in the judge house and then having all three of the people hung there be white like I don't want to see a, I don't want M Night Shyamalan to put a black person in a noose or anything I obviously I don't want to see that but I'm just saying like if you talk about how they hanged people here I feel like that is making an implication I feel like you gotta you gotta steer away from the the hanging people here yes i i actually i, I just i just I, feel what like i wonder oh, go on. what i wonder if is if that was not his original goal and then the the production team or someone who has like uh, executive decision making powers above him was like can't do it it's too it's too risky and i i think that is a good call because you're right i don't don't want to see that either um yeah. um there are but there were other atrocities committed in historical uh pennsylvania yeah yeah um i mean almost certainly right because it's fucking pennsylvania right of Uh, course it's it's it it is it is one of i mean it's it's a place in a it's a place in the united states of course something tragic and awful happened there well yes but i'm also thinking about how like a lot of the those new england countries you know the uh, countries new england um uh, uh states are like so old you know um like it's and probably there's just really well documentation there is what I'm thinking. 
um, because you know Bo- everyone in Boston is obsessed with how historic Boston is. Um, yeah. So th- I guess that's what I'm kind of thinking about. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was because I was I was kind of waiting for that to be t- the case too because in in that old house during the birthday party, you you have someone like you have like a ghost being like, oh, I stole the master's horse or I didn't do it, but don't kill me, whatever. Um, and I was like. This feels like this was supposed to be something else, but this is obviously well, not obviously, you know, because that, but like, um, if it if it was the thing that I think they wanted it to be, uh, uh, the actor they would use would probably sound less, you know, yeah, uh, or more a certain way um, to, to talk around the issue. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I I can definitely see that. Like, if you look at this movie, I can feel like there were like. You can kind of, if you like, get close enough. You can kind of see like the incisions that were made to, like, you know, you're squinting. You get close enough. You can see like the dead. You can see like the fake pixels to to realize that oh, this used to be racist. Yeah, or this this used to feel because it's racially like, insensitive. Yes, least. yes, um, 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 uh, indelicate. <laughs> yes. Um, I I, th- yeah. I think there's a valuable there may there may be a valuable story to be told there, but it is not for, um, uh, an Indian American man such as, uh, M. Night Shyamalan to tell. Yeah. Indian American as in so far as he was born in India and lives in America now. Yeah. Um, it's, and especially not as like, especially not as like a throwaway thing that happened, that is just like a, a call, uh, a call and response. Like, uh, like they mention it once, they show it once and then that's it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, not that and, I want like a not that I want like a deep dive on it either from M Night Shyamalan, but I digress. I don't think he would be able to handle it well. I don't think he has the 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 understanding of the complexities of that issue. And, I think I, I yeah. think it's a very like uh, um, I, I'm going to compare M Night Shyamalan a bit to Stephen Moffat here, mm-hmm. where uh, Stephen Moffat is great at writing. Like I, I think if you expound on any of the small stories that are being told here, they go like if if we got a single more detail about that daughter who got you know Munchausen by proxy or the if we learned a single more thing about the people who were hanging who were hung, I think it would be bad. But I think the fact that they are forced to be just these little tiny itty bitty bursts of story that really forces M Night Shyamalan to cut down to all of his extraneous stuff that he loves to throw in there to make things worse. Yeah, I was thinking that same exact thing because I, I I watched this with my roommate who had not seen it before but was aware of the twist. Yeah, and she was like, and we had watched all of these other M Night movies because so she was primed to expect a bad movie. She was like, I mean, she knew it was going to be good because like everyone says this movie is good, but she didn't um, expect to like it. Right, exactly. Or she expected <laughs> it to have the same sort of uh, quirks that yes. other M Night movies do. And you know, it it does, but they're charming. Um, as we previously discussed, um, uh, um, but, uh, uh, yeah, she was like, oh God, are they, how, how much are they going to explain the whole ghost thing? And I'm like, you, they, it relies really heavily on what people's preconceived notions surrounding ghosts are. Yeah. Um, and that's good. So we could, we could, we could go nitpicky here and like talk about like how the mythos of the ghosts are like, there are some people who are, there are some people who are stuck there forever and there are some people who can like go around free, but it's just like, it's. They don't, it doesn't the, need it. Yeah. It doesn't need it, and it's so much better for that. Mm-hmm. Like, if this movie was ten minutes longer, and all of those ten minutes were spent like further exploring some of the things, like this, I think if this movie was a minute longer, this movie would suck shit. <laughs> I like, don't even then, you know. The thing is, is like there's there's so much there's so much negative space to let all these ideas breathe, um, 
And yeah, you know what you've got. You know what I, I rescind that point. There is a lot of that. You're correct. You're right about that. Yeah, I I think um I think it's 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 a thoughtful and really um uh, uh it respects its audience a lot more than I think his other movies do. I I don't know. I think it varies from film to film how stupid M Night thinks his audience is, or but it's not even that. I because I don't even think he thinks that. I think he just thinks he's so smart or has the best ideas that need to be communicated. Right. Um, or, or that um, these sort of ideas are better when you give more rules to them. Um, and there's, I understand why someone would think that because there's um, a population of people who love rules and storytelling. Right, we um, love cinema sins. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, they've like really, you know, specific, you know, these sort of nerd things. And I, I, I will agree that I like Star Wars and I like its stupid rules. I really do like Star Wars stupid rules. Um, but, uh, but I would never say a Star Wars movie is good. Well, except for maybe episode, uh, seven and eight, but that's probably, that would be about it. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna post something that'll get me canceled off this podcast. Well, you know, great... I, anyone who knows me knows I fucking love Star Wars. And been so... a great run, everyone. Episode two is a good movie. <laughs> I, um, I, would let, I, is... I would like to clarify because yeah. someone will get in my mentions about this. I don't actually think it's a good movie, but I like Episode two a whole lot. I think that that movie is really fun. It and is fun. No, if I you think get, if you give me like a DVD edit of that where it's like the exact same movie except for you cut down the factory escape scene by about ten minutes, I would just like that. That would just be a permanent fixture in my in my Plex server. Yeah, yeah. I even when even when Star Wars is really bad, um, I'm still really forgiving of it because. Uh, I don't know why I have brain diseases, except for, <laughs> you except have Star for, Wars disease. I have Star Wars disease, except for episode nine, which sucks shit because it didn't have a vision. I guess that's it. You know, like, um, you, for all of M. Night's faults, no one can ever accuse him of not having a vision. Yeah, that's, that's the, like, like when his movies suck shit, you can at least like feel like there was like, like there was like a drive to it. Like I, I. I res- if nothing else, I respect M. Night Shyamalan for, like, having... There is a sincerity to his films that I feel like is not present in filmmaking uh, very much. Yeah, it, especially not... Um, well, maybe maybe in the it's, horror it's, genre, but this is in the yeah. blockbuster horror genre. Right. Which can, which can feel more insincere. Um... Like they're just like uh, yeah. it's. I think I've talked about this before, but like no, no one really like swings like M Night Shyamalan does. Like M Night, I, I feel like so much of the movie industry is playing it safe lately, and I, I just, I really respect. I, I really respect someone who's willing to swing for the fences. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, yeah. I even think if they I, fucking, I, even if they fucking strike out massively most times. I would rather watch a film directed by someone who buys their own bill- bullshit then watch a film directed by a person who you can Joss tell Whedon. does not give a shit about what they're doing. I, I would, yeah, I would rather watch an M. Night Shyamalan than a Joss Whedon any day of the week. <laughs> I think Joss Whedon buys his own bullshit, though. Okay, yeah, that's true. But it's just that his bullshit just stinks so much more than everyone else's. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I am... Um, we talked about this during Lady in the Water, but yeah, he wants to be a Kubrick, but he doesn't have, like, um, the meanness to do it. He's, yeah. He's, I mean, this is these are all assumptions I'm making about him as a person just by seeing his movies and only having uh, skimmed his Wikipedia article, um, which even if I had read the whole thing intensely, it would not give me like a full picture of him as a human being. Um, 
so I really don't know his quality of personhood, um, which is the way people would phrase that normally. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I had just as a brief sidebar. I had someone recently point out to me how strange not not the strangeness of the words I choose, but the strangeness of the way I construct sentences. Um, and it's not that I'm self conscious about it. I'm just more amused by myself when I hear myself saying saying something in a way that feels very strange. Um, it's it's the homosexuality, Blair. It's funny. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I feel very seen. <sighs> oh, so, so, do you have anything else to say about Mister Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense before, before we get into recommendations and or ratings and questions? I think this is his best. He this is his best movie, and it's really good. And I I haven't his... seen Unbreak. I haven't seen Unbreakable, so I can't say that definitively. But um, this is. A, I guess I haven't yeah. either, but by my estimation, at least. Yeah, this is a this is a really really good movie. I like this movie a lot. It's if you haven't seen it before, watch it. If you have seen it before. Give it another go. It's I, I I just think it's a really well crafted movie, and I understand what like it. It makes so much sense to me that this movie put this guy's name on the map in such a big way. Yeah, the, I will say that if there is a tragedy about this movie, it is the fact that um uh he didn't. There was there was not this who whoever's hands the level of care and nuance was a product of. Um, he did not benefit from that in his later films, and I think. As 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 we said, like he he has he has good elevator pitches, um, that I think would really shine if um uh, it was more subtle. Yeah, he just needs someone to tell him no. Like that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, he needs someone to say, "Dude, just back it down." Yeah, yeah. Um, shall we rate? I mean, I feel like we both have like a five out of five in our brain. Do you want to? Do we want to figure out what sort of uh, five out of five what yeah, that is? So- <laughs> On a scale of zero to five, on a scale of zero to f- oh oh okay, I'm sorry. One more thing. One more thing. I think the scene where Cole and Bruce Willis first meet is like it's genuinely great. I think that it's just it does so much setting up for exactly what kind of kid Cole is, what like Bruce Willis is trying to do, and the one like literally one of my favorite scenes in any movie we watched on this is just the shot of not scenes i guess but like a single shot is cole walking out of the church and then just like surreptitiously grabbing one of the church statues and like one smooth motion and throwing it into his bag on his way out and bruce willis's reaction shot is like his acting is so subtle like the the just small like perplexed and surprised it's perplexed Um, it's surprised it's come on man you're still from the church it's good it works it's it's so good so on a scale of zero to five uh stolen church figurines that you build a little shrine in your tent to uh how many stolen church figurines are you gonna get this movie because i'm gonna go like with a five out of five on this one i again i i mean there's a reason this is a classic i it it, it's you know everyone kept telling me you know what it's still good and i was pretty reticent reticent to believe them um uh but it's it's still good like it's shockingly like it holds right, up like, a shocking like it, it, especially if you have like I, i've seen this movie before um mm-hmm. but like just like my my brain has just been like in the fucking m night dunk tank for the last three for the last month like i i've watched lady in the water i watched signs i watched the happening and it is just such a breath of fresh air to see all of those pieces that were like like it, we all of those movies have pieces plucked like we talked about this but like it's such a breath of fresh air to see all those pieces from those other movies that you wished were in a better movie and it's so nice to see them actually in a better movie and like just singing 
Yeah. Instead of just like clunking along to the finish line like they are in all of, like they are in those movies. Yeah, and I will say if you if you have not seen this movie, watch um, it. Um it is still so good knowing the twist. Um Yeah. No, this movie is incredible knowing the twist. Yeah. I I would say I mean it's not better, but I think it's it it it, it is like you get so much more out of it as well in addition to it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um man, I uh I uh watch watch the sixth sense it's a good movie it holds up it's a really good movie it it holds up um yeah do we have questions uh, questions. we got questions we got tons of questions because this is our special 200th episode yay all right let's see what we got uh uh chookie crookie 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 chondo at grenemlin says 200 that's my question yeah, can you believe it? We it's, um, it's scroll un- back to like the first it. like five minutes of this episode where we discuss this, but <laughs> it's, it's an un- it is an unreal number of things for me to have made. Yes, it, I, it is entirely possible I've not made two hundred bowel movements in my life. That's not entirely possible. I, that I would okay. So that's if that's true, I've got some serious concerns about you as a person. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to see a proctologist. I'm backed up. I got, I'm like the Suez Canal in there. <laughs> <laughs> Good topical <laughs> joke. Topical joke. Uh, uh, Best-selling co-author of Heartspell at Janos Kapivari asks, We all know the sixth sense is seeing dead people, but what does the funny 69th sense do? Uh, It makes you sense other people's horny levels. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I will say a little on the nose. Like it, the prob- 69th sense gives you a little scouter like in Dragon Ball that tells you someone's por- someone's sex level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... Or, or that they have a really specific fetish, but they, it, but not you don't know what it is, and um, to set their soul free, you have to figure out what it is. <laughs> I just imagine you just go to the bathroom and you accidentally get a little bit of piss on a ghost, and they're like, "I'm free." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, horny ghosts. Horny ghosts. Uh, Dethany at Age of Otis. Well, when Bruce Willis was dead at the end of Sixth Sense, did you jizz in your pants? And I do have to confess that I had jizz in my pants playing on repeat in my head while I was watching this movie. <laughs> I fucking... I fucking forgot about... Sometimes... You forgot about I would about say jizz not infrequently in do I for- forget mind. about Lonely Island. <laughs> yeah, d- never say to Stephanie the words, I forgot Lonely Island. <laughs> Uh, lastly, Stephen Moore at Marshmallow asks, if you were a ghost, what helpful or unhelpful stuff would you do with the local small child who can see you? Um, oh. I would simply have a laugh. I am, I am, like, famously terrible at speaking to children. Um, well, you know what? I, I speak to children as if they are small adults, and Haley Joel Osment in this movie is basically a small adult, um, so I think we might hit it off anyway. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know if I would get that far, because I think I would assume that a child would not be so precocious. Um, anyway, I I think I would just suffer, because I would be like, "Uh, I don't want to talk to the ghost-seeing kid. It's going to be weird. He's going to, like, offer me, like, crackers. I'm not going to know what to do with them. (laughs) Can't eat them. I'm a fucking ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) Oh. So now we're going to do recommendations. Blair, what are you recommending this week? 
That is a good question. Oh, actually, I do have a recommendation this week. Um, uh, HBO um, has been releasing a um, uh, documentary series that is fucking phenomenal. Ooh. As someone who's been like... Um, I, I literally bought HBO Max to watch this. Um, and it is, um, as someone who's been, like, following QAnon closely, um, for about, for, like, over a year now, but, like, has been aware of it for longer than that, um, Mm. it is, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, an investigator or anything, I'm not researching anything, I'm just, like, basically reading the articles and listening to the podcast and et cetera about the, from, that the researchers Are you sure? I I watched the QAnon Anonymous podcast where they revealed Travis's full name, and he said, yeah, my full name is Blair Kish. (laughs) His actual full, real name is insane. It's so funny. His his um, his, his, his full. Uh, one of my friends in the server made a joke about this, but like, what 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 what's his name again? It's like it's like Lucas Logan what is Strain. It? Logan Strain. One of my friends was talking about how that's like that's how you talk about a white boy who's got really good weed. Like, oh, we got to get some of that Logan Strain. <laughs> <laughs> like, like just some dude in a like with fucking socks and sandals and a plaid button up and like white cock, white khaki shorts and like you know he's just got a bag of the freshest Reggie around. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, but um, uh, like there's so so much there that has never really seen the light of day even knowing a lot of the the outline of a lot of the stories that are being told here. Mm -hmm. Um, Interviews that nobody else has been able to get. Um, And like, uh, 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 it's, it's, I think, I think for like people who are like freaked out about the the QAnon thing, um, it would, it would behoove you to like watch this because it is, um, or, or is trying to understand it um, uh, because it is, um, it really does capture the what I feel like is a really accurate tone of the movement, which is to say something scary but ridiculous, um, or not scary but dangerous but ridiculous, um, something with with high consequences, but something that is like um, absolutely deeply absurd. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, the the journalistic integrity is is really strong, and the vision and the voice there is really strong. And again, it cannot be undervalued. Like even if that those things were not true, the the um, the access that uh, director Colin Holbeck, I think his name is, or Holbeck, um, uh, got to some of these people who nobody else has ever been able to get access to, um, uh, is just like it's 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 really incredible. Um, and I think like it is something that is going to be kind of historic. I don't know. This is like my, the thing that makes my brain vibrate at a high frequency. So yeah. Um, uh, so take that as what you will. But if it if you are interested in um, uh, internet disinformation, even vaguely, or are like confused about this, even vaguely, um, I highly recommend this. It is so worth the money, and uh, it should be done before uh, HBO charges you again. So you can pay 15 bucks and then get out. So not bad. Hell yeah. Um, my recommendation this week is going to be a thing that I've recommended twice, I think, on this podcast already. But I'm going to recommend, because it just wrapped the first season, very popular Shonen Jump anime, Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, it finished the first season and it went... Uh, I, I'm just I'm just fucking pleased as punch at how the adaptation came out. They really like nothing on the cutting room floor. The animation was fucking 
incredible. Like, I do not, I really truly do not understand, like, how they kept the quality of animation that high for the entire season. Like, mm-hmm. especially, especially during this quarantine, especially when, like, so many other, like, studios are flagging with their animation. And not, like, you know, dig on other studios who are struggling in this time. Like, it's just, like, I, I, I'm hearing these horror stories about, like, you know, <clears throat> shows like Skate the Infinity and such having, like, these, aw- like, uh, Skate the Infinity and Wonder Egg Priority having these, like, awful, like, massive crunch zones. And, I mean, I know all of anime has crunch in the production, but, like, the, the 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 horror stories I'm hearing about Wonder Egg Priority about everything falling to shit around the end because of the extremely bad timetables that was set by the production managers, and I'm just astounded at how well Jujutsu Kaisen came out in this in this year in this in these inclement times, and it's just really good. It's a great story. It's very funny. It's very fun. It looks cool. It's got children. You you'll have you you when you when you start watching Jujutsu Kaisen you will not have any children but then by the time you're finished you will have three of them or more <laughs> impossible to say. That is so interesting um, to think about that because I I don't want to speculate too deeply but I I, I wonder and hope um, if like this if this stands as an example as um, you know if you if you treat your artists with compassion they will produce better work. The thing the thing that's extremely weird is that like they are. This is like the studio that did it. Mappa is like the their helm. They are like behind two of the biggest titles of this that are currently airing. Like, uh, uh, I, I have said that that name so many times, but it still never gets easier to say. Jujutsu Kaisen, mm-hmm. um, and Attack on Titan are both animated by Mappa. Those are like the highest profile shows that are happening. Well, not happening because both of them are are done now, but. Like we're happening recently. We're happening concurrently, right? And like this is also coming off the back of like B Stars and Doro Hidoro, and like mm-hmm. it's just I, I just don't get it. Like I, I am mm-hmm. impressed. Good job, good yeah. job, Mappa. Thank you for thank you for the product. We love it. <laughs> Anime. Anime. Um. So that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Fear Baiting. Uh, we'll be back next week. No more. No night. No March Night Shyamalan though. That's that's all done. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. bring down the banner. Let's start sweeping up. But um, if you want to listen to the pod, if you want to support the podcast, patreon.com slash fearbaiting is where you can go. Uh, we, uh, $1 a month gets you early access to the episodes when we get them up early. 10 bucks a month, your name, uh, 5 bucks a month, your name out of the podcast and a message right on the show. 10 bucks a month, all that, and you get to make us watch a movie. Oh, I got the hiccups now. Let's make this fast. Oh, Thank here. you very much to Ducky Aisha, Paul Moran, hmm, Kit Spindler, Michael Kaiser, and Paul Bechtel. We love you all so, so much. We are at Fearbaiting on Twitter. Uh, our intro music was done by the, uh, the always incredible Seda. Uh, find them making music as people you meet outside of bars. Head to gaygothvibes.online for that. Thank you to Matt GameCube and Noisepace.xyz for hosting this and so many other great podcasts, some of which I am on, such as The Wonder Years with Blair and the aforementioned Seda, such mm-hmm. as Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, which is a leftism podcast, such as Special Grade Snacks, which just posted its final episode for now, given that the season, the given that Jujutsu Kaisen is now on uh, break since the season's over. So is the podcast. Go listen to it. There's 14 episodes. It's a good show. Well, 13 episodes, actually, not 14. Um, but it's a good podcast, if you ask me. Uh, uh, I'm on Twitter at SunHatGenya S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A and I think that's everything Blair Hi um, Real easy to find me online uh, at Kitch on Twitter if you want to see pictures of my cats they're real silly Um, uh, sometimes I say little jokes online Um, it's like if you enjoy me posting with my mouth on podcast you can see me posting with my thumbs and other digits on internet, Blair Catch on Twitter. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's everything. So, 
until next time, uh, I'm Sarah. I have been Blair. And remember, you can put a fucked up guy anywhere. This is not how the theme song goes. Um, before we get out of here, I just want to say a really quick thank you to everyone for just listening and supporting the podcast for all of this time. It's really just incredible that some of y'all have been listening since episode one. And if you've been listening since episode one, or if this is your first episode, thank you for listening at all. Blair, thank you truly so much for starting this podcast with me. And even though you did eventually, even though you did have to step down every single time you come back, it is an absolute delight. And I always know it is going to be an incredible episode whenever you're on the mic with me. Yeah. Um, I truly appreciate you as a friend. You are one of my favorite people in my life and just thank you for podcasting. Sarah, um <laughs> it is it is it has honestly been the best. Um because, you know, like I I just am, I just do not have the personality where I can like regularly show up and like talk about shit for an hour uh or plus, but every every instance where I get the opportunity to with you um is just so valuable because like obviously you're a funny good person um mm. uh but we have you know just ha- being able to discuss art that we both are really passionate about is uh is such a treat um to be able to drop in and say hi uh uh yeah i don't know it's it's just something that i'm excited to have the opportunity to access you know and you're literally you're literally always welcome <laughs> Yeah, of course I know that. (laughs) If you literally, you could just like fucking, you could just join the voice call in the middle of next week's episode and be like, what's up? I'm here now. (laughs) As long as you watch the movie first. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure you wouldn't send me away even if I didn't. You got a point. Yes. Uh, Aw, we're sappy. Okay. We're sappy. (laughs) Thanks. Goodbye. Yes, now I am as well.